Welcome to the Goal Coach Podcast. If you're looking for coaching and content proven to set the stage for achieving what matters most at work and in life, you've come to the right place. Grab your favorite beverage, sit in a relaxing chair, and get ready for Cesar Cavadoy, award-winning sales coach, speaker, entrepreneur, writer, and your goal coach to get you out of your comfort zone and into the growth zone as he and his guests set the stage to help you achieve what matters most. And now, here is your host of the Goal Coach Podcast, Daniel Fennell, Director of Media for Playbook for Results, and your Goal Coach, Caesar Cavadoy. All right, let's get into the growth zone. Hey everyone, welcome to the Goal Coach Podcast, how to achieve what matters most, where we discuss the best in class proven strategies for getting a grip on the things that matters most to you. I'm Daniel Fennell, your host, and with me today we have Caesar Cavadoy, the CEO of Playbook for Results and your goal coach and mine. Welcome, Caesar. Hey, thanks for having me. Also with us today is Danny Mayer, who joins us to discuss today's topic, getting a grip on your career, the end zone versus the end game. Welcome, Danny. Hey, guys. Glad to be here with you. So, hey, Danny, uh, just wanted to, just really curious, how is it that you and Caesar met? So Caesar and I met about eight years ago through church. We joined his small group and we connected in a few areas personally and business and we've been friends ever since. Okay. So in this relationship that you guys have built over the years, how did you guys start to talk about career? So I, I can answer that. As the small group leader, my role was to provide, as my wife and I served in the ministry together, to provide spiritual, practical, and vocational training to these people in our group. And at the time, my wife and I were involved in the singles ministry. And it was a ministry that served young adults, the recent college grads that were getting ready to enter the workforce or had recently entered the workforce. And so I would say that we wrote a lot of, or I should say we rewrote a lot of resumes and did a lot of mock interviews. Um, all the stuff that you would do to make sure that these young adults were going to get jobs that a were somewhat meaningful and could support themselves but also were aligned with their god-given talents so this was a small group that was for church it was a ministry small group but at the same time you were helping young adults with job interviews well again you start to look at what you do as a small group leader one is to help them apply what they're learning on a weekly basis from the sermon that we're all listening to but the other part of it is just to make sure that you're there to support them and the role of a parent uh, even though we weren't that much older the role of a parent is to provide that spiritual practical vocational training so in some cases we were helping them. Some of these kids didn't know how to cook. Some of them then didn't even know how to shop. One kid, my wife excoriated him for it, didn't even know how to do laundry. So she brought down our eight-year-old to help him. <laughs> so it's those types of things. And, and in other cases, we were helping them write resumes and prep for interviews, like anything you could do to support them so that they would be model citizens. So the thing that Danny needed help with most was a job interview or maybe the direction. I would say he needed help with a lot of things, but <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, look, and it wasn't right away. We talked a lot about career and vocation. And we, again, as Danny said, we had a lot of interest. But about seven years after he and his then girlfriend joined the group, Danny and I were discussing his career goals. He was now married to that gal. He had recently had his first kid. They were planning on having a second kid. But with both of them working full time, they didn't really know how they were going to be able to live in SoCal on a single income because having a second child would mean one of them was going to have to start working part time or maybe even 
give up their full-time job. Again, a lot happened in those seven years, right? You got married, you bought a home, had a kid, busy, busy. So anyway, he came to me with this idea of, you know, if I'm going to make this happen, because he had capped out. Look, he did a phenomenal job in the career he was at of getting raises every single year, but he had maxed out. At this particular point in the type of role that he was in, he would only get a cost of living increase for the remainder of his career. And he's a, here's a mid-20s guy, late 20s, yeah, right? Correct. That now had to look forward to 30 years of just getting that incremental cost of living increase versus the type of increases that you would see with job growth. Wow. So knowing that this was your cap, you knew that you had to make a choice, either stick in the career that you were in now, or you had to do something else. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So he came to me with this idea, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, to completely change careers. You, you want to? Yeah, I mean, like like Caesar said, I was maxed out. I really had nowhere to go. There was no nothing in the future for me in that current position. So I figured with my skill sets and my experience, if I went to corporate America in terms of uh, loss prevention, that would probably be my best bet in terms of getting a better salary, better type of lifestyle. Having more career advancement opportunities, yeah. right? And earning advancement for that matter, because you were, you were getting capped out. Yeah. So so you were capped out and the, the only other direction you could have gone would have been loss prevention. Uh, what's what's wrong with loss prevention? Well, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a small niche market in terms of career growth. And again, that was just the only kind of type of solution I could think of that would or set me up in a, the ability to make more income. But again, that wasn't guaranteed. I really didn't know the market. But based on you know my current position, that was the most relatable job title that I could go into. Wow. So you come to Caesar and you say, hey, I want to change my career completely. Was it a complete different field that you had never been into or was it something similar? No, it's, it was very similar. I worked for the county as a civilian law enforcement employee. So again, same kind of field in terms of you know, investigations and, and items like that. Okay, what, uh, I'm sorry, what is what is a civilian law enforcement? You know, you have clerical staff and then in my position, I acted in a role as a law enforcement officer, but I was not sworn. So there, I, I didn't have the ability to, you know, really work in investigations and to promote up within the hierarchy of the department. So in order for you to advance in your career, you would actually need to become law enforcement instead of the position that you are currently in, which was... Correct. There's a civilian employee. So in order to become a full-time peace officer, I would have to go through a rigorous uh, academy, which is about six, seven months long. And it's not an easy task. It's a hiring process and all that. But let's get back to, again, this idea that you had, which is I want to be able to earn more. And when we talked about it, I said, well, is that really the goal? Go again, going back to, you know, what's the real objective here? The topic of our podcast today is end zone versus end game. And you've got to consider Consider what is the real goal here? Is it a short-term, mid-term, or a long-term goal? When we look at the end zone, you look at just a team scoring. We want to get to the end zone because we want to win the game. The end game, at least for a professional team, is to win the championship. And it's actually to set the stage to win multiple championships, to continue to win. Why? Because winning championships puts fans in the stands. That's what it does. When you win championships, the value of the team goes up, you put fans in the stands, and as a player, you get to earn more. Make sense? Yeah. So then we look at end zone versus is end game and I asked any what's the end game what's really the thing that you want is it really earning more because I don't know that that was really the main motivator here. 
No. What was the main motivator? The main motivator was to you know continue to increase in the same career path I was in and to be able to get into our cyber division investigations. That's where my passion has always been in, in terms of technology was cybersecurity, but be able to do it in a role as a law enforcement officer. Wow, that sounds pretty cool. So how do you go? So Caesar, what, what advice did you give Danny or what road did you take him on to get to become a champion? So the first thing was, again, really defining with absolute clarity, where do you want to go? When it comes to your career, what's your end game? And he said, look, I want to get into a career in the cybercrime division within law enforcement. I said, great. What's the end zone objective? Because we still have these other goals that you have. Again, if I look back at what I just said, these seven years from the time that I met him to this point in history, a lot had happened. You got married, you had a child, you bought a home. They're rolling along with all these different things that they want to achieve. And now they're looking at having a second child. And part of that process included having his wife be a stay-at-home mom, or at least having the option to do that. That's the end zone. So I said, okay, if you're gonna do that, what needs to happen? What needs to happen in order for you to be able to get to the end game, which is being someone who was in cybercrime? And you had attended, I think, a couple of courses or classes? Yeah, yeah, there was uh, courses and classes that we're all allowed to take, but without being a sworn officer, you can't go anywhere with it. So that, you know, it's available for everyone, but again, you have to be in a certain capacity in order to advance up to be part of a certain division. And this is one of the reasons why I asked and why I bring this up now is because you really want to define what your life's purpose is, which is generally somewhat aligned with your career. You, you look at what's my purpose? What, what am I supposed to be doing here? You have to look at, well, what are you passionate about? That's number one. And so I wanted to kind of gauge, did he have a passion for this particular type of vocation, this particular type of career? It's a thing that I ask most people. Do you, are you passionate about it? And prove it. I don't want you just to tell me um, that you kind of seem to have an interest in it, like there needs to be demonstrable passion that you're expressing here. And he did. Uh, you could see that he was taking courses, even though it wasn't necessarily going to add or benefit him in terms of income. He was, this is one of the connection points that we had. We love computers. We, we loved anything having to do with technology. So he loved that. The other part of what you have to look at though, to define whether it's your purpose or not, is you have a passion, but do you have a proficiency? So is there a proficiency? And clearly a lot of the things that he had done, we had actually worked on a couple of projects together where he proved his proficiency when it came to anything cyber related. And then you've got to look at, all right, well, I've got a passion. I've got a proficiency. That doesn't necessarily mean that this should be my purpose. I have a passion for tennis. I have a passion for music and I have some proficiency. I played music my whole life. I played tennis my whole life. I can play generally well, but I can't be profitable at it. It won't provide me with the provisions I need to sustain my lifestyle or to sustain a household. Yeah. And so that's the other thing that we said, okay, you have a passion for this, you have a proficiency, but is it profitable? Can you actually do it in a way that's profitable for the people that you're serving and for the household that you're building? And at this particular time, it wasn't. Yeah. because he lacked a credential that he needed. So then you, you start to look at it and said, all right, what needs to happen in order for you to get that credential? And you want to tell him about the obstacles that kept popping up. Yeah, you know, um, so at that point, at seven years with the department, I had gone through the academy twice and, and failed in terms of injury and just um, inability to get through. And so the biggest obstacle was going through probably the, one of the hardest, if not the toughest, police academy in the United States. And that's something I dreaded and didn't want to do. And 
that was definitely the biggest so, obstacle. So you went through the police academy one time, two times? Correct. Yeah, two times before. Two times. Wow. Yeah. And uh, both times, the first time I injured out, second time I was not mentally there or ready. Again, it's one of the toughest mental and physical things you'll do in terms of getting to the point where you want to be. And that was just something I really didn't want to go back to. And I'm sure having to take that a third time, uh, your pride, you would have to uh, swallow that a little bit as well, correct? Because you're you're having to uh, just face something that... I don't know that you even considered it. No, that, that, that was something <laughs> I thought. To like, yeah. let me put myself through this all over again. That yeah. wasn't even a thought. Yeah, no, I wrote that off many years before. You just said, you're done with I'm it. I'm done, absolutely. At that point, it's like, like Caesar said, you know, I'm just getting cost of living increases. This is why he came to, to the conclusion with this cockamamie idea, <laughs> you know, to go completely change careers. Like the idea of going back to the academy wasn't even a thought. Wow. So, but you did it. Yeah. You know, again, this is something that Caesar and I sat down with and over many conversations after I came to him wanting to go to loss preventions or something to that sort and through, you know, discussions and, and again, figuring out what I want to do. It was, it was more like, you know, could you please help me with my resume so I can get a job in loss prevention in corporate America? No, nah, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I went to as far as applying for, uh, I think it was Lowe's. Oh, I didn't even know that. I mean, that was, I was even applying for that just so it was either work at Lowe's yeah. or go through the academy exactly that's I mean that's how much I disdain nothing going wrong back. with Lowe's but yeah I, I, you didn't tell me that yeah I know I mean I think that was that was during the same period time period is yeah. as I started you know see, again we've had many conversations over a multitude of areas uh-huh. on a weekly weekly basis so so what was it that got you to decide this is something I'm going to do I'm I'm fully committed again you know Caesar looks at the big big details in the the daily things right the small the small things that get you to that point and i'm i'm more of the 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 daily kind of details i don't really look at the big picture how do i get there i kind of look at the task before me so again going to the academy was something i never wanted to do and something i didn't even know how i would get through once i was even in and that's how going through you know talking to caesar that's how i got to that point okay so caesar you were able to help eliminate any type of roadblocks or obstacles that were in his mind so that he could yeah for me it's very systematic Like I said, I have to discern whether or not you should even pursue a goal. Uh And I do that through a number of different processes that I use. I mean, first and foremost is, do you have some level of proficiency? Can it be profitable? Are you passionate about it? You know, there's a lot of things. Uh, Are you making it a priority? How are you making it a priority? There's a lot of things. There's a P's, right? I I use a lot of devices to make sure that I I can keep up with the the ingredients that are going to be necessary to have a successful plan or successful good tasting dish, I suppose, if we're using the word ingredients. But when it comes to getting a grip, I, the first thing I look at or ask is what is the goal? And is there short-term, mid-term goals associated with the longer term? That's the end zone versus end game. What's your role in the process? Like I said, as a small group leader, my role was to provide spiritual, practical, vocational training. The goal was to make sure that everyone in our small group was reaching, teaching, and training, which is in line with what the mission is of our church. You see how all this kind of plays a part in terms of a framework. You have to understand what the absolute goal is. And 
and then understand what your role is, and then also look at what the incentive. For Danny, the goal was to get into a cybercrime division. Yeah. The role that he had to play was to be a good student, right? To be yeah. a good steward of his household, to, to be a accommodating husband who looks at the needs of his spouse and says, here's what she needs. To be a good father and say, look, I, I want to make sure that we can provide the type of household that allows us to be able to do the things that help us to do what my wife and I did for this small group, which is to provide practical spiritual vocational training. And then the place that it fell apart, the P part of getting a grip is the plan. The plan that he had was, I keep saying cockamamie, and it was. It was just a, a shot in the dark. It wasn't really well thought out because he was pursuing something that was somewhat in line with where he wanted to go, but really what I would say is he was pursuing a paycheck. Not to the full extent, because look, if he just wanted to earn more, I would have said, go get a job at in and out You know, within about five or six years, you'll move up to store manager or, or maybe to like an assistant manager. I don't know what the hierarchy is here. I do know that someone that starts as a teenager at in and out within 10 or 15 years, you're making a six-figure income as a general manager. Yeah. That's not bad change if that's what you're passionate about, right? If you love that particular type of environment, but that's not what he loves. And it was very well proven when we looked at what he was passionate about, where he was prioritizing. So we just said, all right, in order to get a grip on this, first of all, you gotta let go of everything else. Let's focus just on this. So what you had given Danny was a framework to achieve his goals, to get a grip on his goals. Yep. So just to go back to what that is, that's G for goal, R for role, I is for incentive, incentive and P was for paycheck? No, it was for plan. It was for plan. And that's where people kind of need the most amount of help because generally most people are reactionary. Correct. They're not proactive. And then when they do look at a plan, if you look across history, forget history, let's just look at the last 20 years. Arguably there's more books, podcasts, blogs, all kinds of information on how to do this better, how to do that better, how to be more fit, you know, uh, better in your relationships. But yet we still see incredible levels of failure across all those areas. So what I did is I just looked across history and I said, what are the best in class doing in order to be able to get to this particular discipline or this particular level? And is it proven? Can we verify through stats and facts that this is exactly what needs to happen in, in if, if someone is going to be able to achieve that particular discipline, vocation, goal, or objective, whatever it might be? And so when it came to this, we said, all right, what's the plan, right? What's the goal? What are the roles? What are the resources you've got? What's the incentive? What's the impact if you, if you meet it versus you don't meet it? We went through the whole GRIP program and then it came down to, all right, we've discerned properly that this is where we want to go. Now we look at obstacles and in my approach, I've identified four different types of obstacles. There's attitude, aptitude, conditions, and skill sets. And when it came to Danny and his goals and the obstacles that prevented him from reaching those goals before, it was twofold. There wasn't really conditions because if you have the right plan, you should be able to overcome most conditions and circumstances. Meaning if he went into the toughest academy, I look at it, there's people that have got Gotten through despite the fact that there was tougher meaner rougher what do you call them people that are taking you through the academy oh they're they're tactical officers or uh, for military it's drill instru instructors yeah right so the conditions shouldn't matter you could have a tough person you could have an easy person you could have a whole team of the toughest people that ever have gone through that academy mm -hmm. and yeah it's going to make your road a little bit tougher but if you've got the right plan you should be able to overcome those yeah if you have the right attitude and you have the right ability and so when we looked at well, what are the things that had prevented him from going through the first time as he mentioned he dropped out twice the yeah. first time was it ability 
Was it attitude? Was it conditions? Was it skill set? I would say it was attitude. Was it? Well, the first time was um, the conditions, right? I got injured. Okay. There's there's certain criteria you have to meet. It's 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 like a college class. If you don't show up for so many days, you're out. They drop you. So he said conditions caused him to drop out. I would say it was a skill set. Okay. So how? Was- so why 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 would you say that? Because what what caused you to drop out? Well, the first time was because of lack of physical preparedness, right? Okay. You know, I thought I was ready physically. But clearly that wasn't. Uh, so let's go back to, so the, it was a skill set because of lack of f- physical preparedness. So you lack the physical preparation in order to be able to get through the program. Correct. And in my mind, it's a skill set issue. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why is it a skill set issue? Well, again, it goes back to not having a plan, right? There's certain, you know, if you go to someone that's a CrossFitter or, or you know, professional athlete, they have a plan. You know, there is a system intact. I just kind of, again, flew at the seam of my my pants. I would go for a run, do some push-ups. There was nothing. There was nothing in my brain that says, "Okay, this is what I need to do." Here's my to-do list for my workouts. There was just there was again no plan. If you, if sorry to interrupt. So so if you went in, you had a plan that allowed you to push your body, but also to protect your body, and you understood those skill sets. And yet something happened. Then I would say that there was a condition. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You definitely. You, you don't have the types of ligaments that allow you to be able to push yourself in that way. You you don't have whatever the muscle, whatever it is, okay. Yeah. But it wasn't that. It was a lack of understanding in terms of how to protect yourself and how to how to apply the proper type of conditioning to be able to get through the program. Yes. So that's why I say it's a skill set. <clears throat> that's a really good observation because I would have said that it was either an ability or an attitude. But no, you're right. If you are not preparing yourself, you you're right. You were you just weren't ready. I mean, look, I, I like to ask this question. I asked it yesterday on a call. I said, could you run a marathon today? No. Now, if I said, Danny, I've got your kid. You're not getting her back until you run 26.2 miles. You're going to run a marathon? Yeah, I'm going to. You're going to do whatever it takes. You may not run it in the time that, you know, and I hate to be even joking about the fact that I, I've, I've kidnapped your kid, but you get the point. You Correct. get the point. It's yeah. Like, there's, there's different types of obstacles. People say, well, I don't have the ability. Well, you just demonstrated this ability under different types of conditions and circumstances. Mm-hmm. And you, so, so it's either an attitude issue. It's not a skill set. It's not like you don't know how to put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. You may not necessarily know how to put one foot in front of the other at a pace or time that would be in line with what the average marathoner does. But again, comes down to attitude, aptitude, skill set, and conditions. Conditions and skill set. I was almost there. I was almost there. Well, wow. Okay. So, so we've determined that it was a skill set. That was the first time. Correct. And then the second time. So it was a mindset. It was an attitude, right? Um, again, you know, not planning things out and kind of seeing where do I want to go in my career and all all the different areas. It, you know, I'm going through this. I'm in better physical shape. Still not to a level I, I should have been, but you know, I didn't know what I was doing. And as my my point was, is why am I even here? So that's really interesting because I remember talking about this several years or a couple years ago when this this came up, right? I said, okay, so the first time it was a skill set, and we even have this conversation maybe a debate it wasn't an argument it was a debate well it wasn't a, it was it was conditions that's why I stepped out and I go no it was a skill set thing and then I said okay second time what happened and I said it was a total attitude because he actually came back this 
second time in better condition, mm -hmm. but then the mindset got to him. Yeah. And what happened? Yeah, I mean, so I was, there's a there's certain roles, right? There's a hierarchy for leadership within the class. And I was the leader of the class that day or that week, that is. And I just remember being in the hallway, you know, sweating in a polyester uniform. And at some, you know, they're screaming at you, yelling at you, telling you, you don't belong here. And, you know, in your mind, when you're dead, you know, in that moment, you doubt yourself. I'm like, why am I here? This is, do I really want to do this? Again, looking at cyber security and not realizing where I could go vocationally within the, the department, I that's where I was like, all right, I'm done. I thought, you know, I could go get a job in loss prevention probably at that time too, doing this, you know, what I like, but not realizing it's not truly what I could do with my skill set. And when you're in the academy and they're yelling at you, that's designed to get you to... Yeah, it's designed to get you to quit. They don't want people to, they want people to be level-headed in any situation. If it's a calm situation with a civilian or if it's a situation where someone's yelling at you like they do, that's designed purposely to make sure you react calmly and professionally regardless of where you are and what's you know what situation it is and clearly at that moment as they're yelling at me they they you know the the methods are proven and that was another instance it was proven because there was doubt they don't want you to once you get sworn and you put real ammunition in your weapon they don't want you you know that's a huge liability that's a big amount of authority to take out for someone that is doubting themselves and that's the point of the training, the stress training, as they call it. So it was effective. Absolutely. And it sifted you out. Yeah. Clearly. And made me not want to go back for seven <laughs> more years. <laughs> so seven years had passed. Correct. Right? You got older, a little fatter. No, yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah. Actually, no, I did. I did get fatter. <laughs> But it was, it was interesting because I remember we sat down and we said, okay, so here are the two obstacles, any other obstacles that we've got to get through. And we just systematically broke the whole thing down. All the way to, I think, I remember one of the obstacles was you knew that there was specific minimum requirements. One of them was the mile. Mm -hmm. And I think at the time you were at 13 yeah, and a half or something like that. Pretty sad. And the minimum require, or what was the minimum for seven? It was... Well, the the minimum to just even pass the test was I think ten and a half. But correct, you they wanted you sub eight, so within the seven minute average mile time in order to pass the the academy test. So you were running thirteen mile. You're running one mile in thirteen minutes, and you need to get to eight minutes. Correct. But one mile in eight minutes. Okay, that doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, especially when you're doing 13 miles and, and Caesar's probably walking past you as you're trying to run huffing puffing, you know. I mean, 13 minutes and one mile, I, I guess I haven't, I haven't run. I haven't run a mile in a long time. I guess that is a long time. You could probably do a quick brisk walk. But those are the things that you look at. Again, when you're a coach and you're setting the stage for someone to perform, you're looking at all the tactical things, all the little details that could prevent that person from actually achieving what matters most to them. And that was one of the first things we worked on. First thing we worked on, we said, look, there's a program as a former marathon runner. I had a lot of opportunities to train with some folks that modeled or followed a lot of the best practices. And I felt, and I actually then landed on this guy by the name of Lydiard who had trained top performing athletes to be able to increase their marathon time. And it was a very distinct and different approach than a lot of the things that I had been hearing from people who had run marathons and but weren't, you know, my goal back then was to do a sub three marathon, right? Most of the people I was running with were doing four, four and a half hours. And I knew I had the build. I had the perfect build. So the conditions were there. I mean, physiology and even my ability. I had a larger chest capacity. I, I had, you know, two pounds per, per inch of height. I just didn't 
didn't have the skill set. So I, I learned this methodology and I just shared it with Danny. And I don't know how long it took, but it was pretty quick it was, to, I mean, to get your time from 13 to cut in half. Yeah, I think we started this in late April, early May. And uh, by August, I was doing four miles and seven flat. Four miles in seven minutes? I'm sorry, four miles at seven minute pace. At seven minutes a mile. Wow, that's that's good. That's that's an improvement. That's a yeah, drastic. I'm talking about when I was doing almost literally twice as fast. Okay, so now you're preparing to go in a third time. You've been convinced Correct. that all you need is a plan. You've put a plan together. We've put a plan together to yeah. really focus in on the two things that were problematic the first time around: the conditioning mm -hmm. and the mental fortitude. Correct. And the mental fortitude, we had a plan for a daily call. Absolutely. Yeah every single day that he was gonna be in the academy. Then there was a lot of logistical things that we had to kind of consider too because the first time that he went through, there's a lot of other things that were now part of Danny's life that weren't true the first and second time around. Right. He's now married, he's got a mortgage, he's got a kid, he's yeah. got, uh, I don't know if, if you, you guys were expecting. She was pregnant this third time around. So not only do I have a you know three-year-old at home, I have a pregnant wife as well. So by the time we started talking about this plan to go in a completely different career to now moving to, hey, we're gonna go at this third time's a charm, we've got a plan, it's aligned with best-in-class principles, and here's what needs to happen. When we first started talking, it was, we're planning on having a kid, well, now the kid's coming, yes. right? So a lot of logistical things needed to be taken care of. We had to work through those because we didn't wanna have any issues from mental fortitude perspective that would be obstacles or hindrances. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be a motivation to wanna uh, complete the academy a third time? having two kids yeah i mean definitely that was part of the the motivation but you also got to realize that's an obstacle as well because not only are you physically and mentally defeated each and every day then you're going home to more obstacles of taking care of your oldest kid while your pregnant wife can't even walk i mean here, yeah here's here's the detail that we went into in terms of looking at obstacles is i said you've got a young child right now i think she was almost th uh, three at the point three yeah and she's gotten all the attention yeah now you're introducing a whole new child who's going to get more attention mm -hmm. how have you set the stage for her not to be a distraction while you're away yeah remember that conversation yeah. right so we're going into that level of detail just looking at everything that could get in the way and distract from the thing that matters most it is that important when you start to look at what matters most there's things that you don't even consider sometimes yeah and that's one of the reasons why i always advocate for a coach Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Wow. So I, I could see how on a personal level, how coming to that amount of detail, you would need somebody to coach you through that because most people don't go into that much detail when yeah. it comes to making a plan, especially a big decision, having so many obstacles in the way. Yeah. So the plan was set, the details had been worked out, and now it was time to execute. Yeah. I mean, and like Caesar said, it, this is a daily occurrence. I mean, I don't know how many coaches are actually talking to their their clients every day, but literally every single day. We were on the phone the, the minute I left to the academy to the 30 minute drive home, we were going through, okay, processing the day, dissecting it, then talking about, okay, what do we have? What are the obstacles at home that day? Again, this was a daily occurrence, that detail needed for the first about 12 weeks, so. 
And how many weeks was the Academy for? Altogether, it was 28 weeks. 28 weeks. And you guys were on the phone every day for 12 weeks? Well, we were on the, on the phone every day for the full 28 weeks. But the, the amount of details we needed the first third to, you know, half of the Academy was the most important in terms of the physical and mental drain. You know, after the second half is where they already weeded out the week. And the second half is building up and creating law enforcement officers. So became the- became more academic. Exactly. Yes. Point. Yeah. That's okay. the best way to put it. It, was, it went from physical and, you know, psychological to academic and building up, training, training us up to where we are today. So Caesar, how many times did Danny call you uh, crying? <laughs> there, there, there were a few times, and here's the thing: looking at past history and knowing when those inflection points actually happened, when those intersections where this is this is when he dropped out the first time, this is when he dropped out the second time. These are the things that he can anticipate. Once we got past those two, and we knew that. He had been through these walls that he wasn't able to get through the first time. It wasn't gravy train. It was just a little bit of a sigh of relief. Oh, absolutely. Because the, the other part of it is that, well, we didn't know what to expect because he hadn't been through that portion yet. But he did know, obviously, from just his own thoroughness that the second part, if he could get to this particular point, the second part would be a little bit easier because now it wasn't about the conditioning and it wasn't about the mental fortitude. Now it was really about academics. And I even remember, I want to say the second half you did get injured something yeah. happened yeah, right? right and you were you were needing to do some type of physical test yeah and it almost came to pass that you weren't going to get the amount of points yeah. you were going to have to test out or test yeah. injured yeah. and we worked through that and fortunately you got everything you needed and yeah. obviously passed with flying colors on the academic side and you want to yeah i mean that was another hurdle that's again you know every day you're hoping and literally praying that hey keep keep me safe right and it got to the point where I did get injured again. And going back to past reference of being injured, <clears throat> I knew that I only had so many days to heal up and I was doing absolutely everything. I was doing cryotherapy, you know, sleep, literally I had to sleep on the couch. I injured my ribs. And again, that was, you know, got to the point where you just had to suck it up. And it's like, okay, this is the last shot. And, you know, thankfully over time, you know, I, I stuck, stuck through it, got through the pain through, you know, again, Caesar's reassurance and, and just again, dissecting the each and every day even when I was injured and, you know, at least towards the end, I was healthy again and I was able to finish because of that. If it, you know, if it weren't for our daily conversations and having the game plan, it, I probably would have injured out. Well, and I appreciate that. Here's the thing, right? When it comes to getting a grip on things, there are three things that history, stats, and facts say you absolutely need. Mm -hmm. Number one, you got to be committed to the cause. You got to be sold out to the cause. Clearly, just what he said, he was sold out. Number two, you got to be willing to pay the cost. And he was willing to pay the cost. And number three, you've got to be open to coaching because coaching is where the correction and direction comes in. So those are the three C's that you need in order to get a grip on what matters most. Doesn't matter if it's your career, doesn't matter if it's anything else. Those are the most important critical things. Doesn't matter if you're getting a grip on your career, getting a grip on being a better husband, getting a grip on your finances, getting a grip on your health and nutrition. Those are the three key ingredients that one needs to have in order to achieve what matters most. Okay, so 28 weeks later, did you pass? Yeah, you know, I mean, clearly, again, that was a sigh of relief. It's one of those things you always hope, you know, waiting for, you know, for me specifically, my spouse to pin my badge on. And you could you could see it, right? You could see that's, it. That's when he cried. Actually, surprisingly, <laughs> I didn't. 
That was a, I thought I was, but no, thankfully I didn't. That would have wow. been very embarrassing. But that was a proud moment that your wife and your kids, two kids at yeah. this time. At that point, baby number two was here. So. And they were able to be there and yeah. pin, pin, pin that pin on you. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great story. Well, hey guys, that about wraps up our time. I just wanted to thank you guys for being with us today. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe to the podcast. Also, if you have any other questions that you would like to ask our goal coach, Caesar, please go to goalcoach.com and post your questions there. Thank you so much, gentlemen. And thanks for listening. I hope that you guys have a day filled with God's blessings. Seriously, go for a walk and thank God for the beautiful globe that we live on. Thanks for listening to the Goal Coach Podcast. For more information, please be sure to go to thegoalcoach.com. You can follow The Goal Coach on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash thegoalcoach1. For information on leadership coaching and development, please visit the Playbook for Results website at www.pb4r.com. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Achieving What Matters Most with your goal coach, Cesar Cavadoy.